Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Galaxy's Greatest Podcast about the two great 90s space station shows, Babylon 5 versus Star Trek DS9. But uh, today we're on a little bit of a hiatus, still covering Star Trek Lower Decks. Uh, we are part of Uncanny Treks. I am Bob in Cascadia. That is Matt in the Southland. Tonight we're talking two episodes of Star Trek Lower Decks, Season 3, Episode 5, Reflections, which originally aired on the 22nd of September 2022. And we are talking about Hear All, Trust Nothing, which originally aired on the 29th of September 2022. Matt, in the Southland, how the hell are you doing tonight? I'm doing all right. Uh, I had that nostalgia for that DS9 episode, Bob. Man, still coming off that nostalgia high. Oh, man, you, you, should, you shouldn't jam it into your veins so fast, Matt. That's a good way to OD. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. So, but before we get to our nostalgia fest, we got to cover Reflections. So you want to walk us through the A plot of Reflections, Matt, if you can remember it from a week yeah, ago? Yeah, if I can remember it. I, I, I've struggled with this one. Rather, in the A plot, Rutherford and his younger, cooler self have a shuttle race in his UCS to see who will control his body. Yes, uh, UCS is the psychoanalytic abbreviation for unconscious. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was going to ask, but then I was like, I don't really care, so... <laughs> fair, fair. No, that was on me. That was on me. Uh, in the B-plot, uh, Boimler and Mariner get detailed to do Starfleet recruiting tabling uh, near rival guilds. Sounds intriguing. So that's right, folks. It's a Rutherford episode. His character is probably the most underdeveloped at this point, so it made sense for them to do an episode that was focused on Rutherford because we really don't know as much about him up to this point. There's a lot of like secrets behind yeah. what's with him. I, I feel like his personality is pretty well developed, but his backstory is not, if that distinction makes sense. Right. So I will say to just start off, uh, no one waking up when uh, Rutherford wakes up in the hall in the bunk hall screaming is does kind of you know paint a horrifying picture of sleeping in a hallway. You ever slept in like a public place? Yeah, yeah. But usually I'm drunk, but not always. Oh. Because I can also say that I never have. I don't even think I've slept on a plane. No, I have slept on a plane. I thought back. I've slept on a plane. You flew to Russia, dog. You, yeah, I know you had to sleep at some point. <laughs> but other than that, I've never like slept. I, I just can't do it. Fair, fair. You're, 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 very, you're a very worried guy. You don't have my peace of mind. <laughs> Got that high anxiety. All right. <laughs> so what what do you think is the deal with Starbase 80? I don't know, but they make it sound like a very terrible place. It'll probably just be this ongoing joke throughout the rest of the series that is never solved until some uh, AMA with one of the writers 12 years after the finale confirms a fan theory. That's about it. Eh, interesting. Yeah, yeah it almost felt like it was something they'd brought up before in the show. I don't think it is, but it kind of felt like it was. Yeah, I, I think they have brought it up before. Oh, they have. Okay. Yeah, they have. My bad. Okay. Never mind. Never mind. Um, I will say I did really enjoy the indie archaeologist guild lady. Um, she was pretty funny. You know, she's got the line about, you'll spend seven years in a windowless room. Do you want to get assimilated? Everyone who doesn't salute their boss is a criminal. Why not choose a life of freedom and nonviolence? <laughs> there are a lot of good lines from the, from the different guilds in this. That, that's one up for this episode. Yeah, the guild stuff was pretty funny, it turns out. I, I will say, uh, I, I love Shax, as we know, and uh, anytime he calls Rutherford Baby Bear, that makes me happy. <laughs> um, <laughs> you, you get a pretty funny line about Tindy talking about, did I erase my best friend? Speaking about <laughs> Rutherford's personality. 
Um, and then, you know, we also have like a killer line uh, from Mariner where I believe she's talking to the indie archaeologist where she's like, that, or no, some, it was somebody else. She's like, that was dumb and you should hate yourself. So one of the other guilds, the Truthers Guild or the Conspiracy Theorists Guild, they, uh, they give a reference to uh, Cisco, Matt. What'd you think of that? Yeah, they just keep teasing it. Just keep teasing it. Just keep playing with our balls. <laughs> they do love to tickle you, Matt. Um, so between the different guilds, we got indie archaeologists, collectors, truthers, and outpost scientists. You got a preference? Which one are you joining, Matt? I'm going to go with the outpost scientist guild. Uh, collectors guild sounds like a bunch of hoarders. Don't want them. Uh, you know, I want to say out, outpost scientists. Uh, like indie archaeologist sounds more fun, but it also sounds like a lot of work. Collectors Guild sounds uh, like a problem for the reasons you mentioned. And uh, yeah, I want to say outpost scientist, but I'm not good at science. I am good at conspiracy theory. So I, I would wind up in the Truthers Guild. That's just the, that's just the truth. Oh man, did I, did I tell you uh, the best headline I, I've seen in years? No. Uh, the headline was, the Nord Stream pipeline didn't kill itself. Well, there you go, Bob. There's your first uh, little, little conspiracy for your Truthers Guild. You're, you're... Yeah, it was t it was totally the USA and Germany. Yeah. <laughs> Continuing. <laughs> um, so uh, we also get a good line from Boimler when he's screaming in frustration at the other guilds. We don't want to protect you from the Borg and Klingons. We want to explore and study fucking quasars. Okay, that was the best line of this episode. Yeah, one, one thing that I really, really fucking hate, but these this season is really softening me on Boimler, which I really hate, because I've, I've hated Boimler for years. Yeah, Boimler's awesome. I like Boimler. Always like Boimler. Oh, God, God damn it. So. <laughs> so, Matt, in Rutherford's Unconscious, old Rutherford or I guess new Rutherford, I'm not sure how to call him, the, the Rutherford we're familiar with. Yes. His ship he builds for the race with his younger self is the Delta Flyer, the shuttle from Voyager. Punk Rutherford is right, right? Like, the Delta Flyer is kind of lame. Yeah, it's super lame. And the more I learn about Voyager, the less I want to watch it. Look, man, Voyager is like the definition of a mixed bag. Like, there's there's glorious things there. And then there's there's just terrible things there. It's, it's just the definition of a mixed bag. Any speculation about which uh, Starfleet higher up is behind Rutherford's cyborgification? I'm going to go with LaForge, Bob. Just going to say LaForge. I'm the conspiracy theorist, Matt. <laughs> I don't even know why. I'm just going to go with LaForge. No, I like it. I like it. It's got potential. It's got potential. Let's 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 run with it. I mean, we can we can certainly say that Rutherford didn't cyborg himself. No, of course not. So. <laughs> And so speaking to the ongoing redemption arc for Boimler, he gets out of jail, but he has cool cred with Ransom. So that was that was kind of funny. We also have the revelation that our sexy indie archaeologist lesbian was intentionally revving Mariner and Boimler up so she could steal back the Negus cane. That was pretty funny. I enjoyed our sexy indie archaeologist lesbian. I hope Mariner's own personal Vosh or Vash, Vash, I think. Vosh is the terrible streamer. Vash comes back and uh, torments her and complicates her relationship with Jen. So Bob, with recording, this is twice a day we brought up sexy archaeologists. You can uh, hear about our other sexy archaeologists on our Patreon exclusive podcast, X-Men vs. Young Justice. That's right, baby. Plug, plug. I'm going to plug it in there. All right, Matt. Who was your character of the week this week? 
Well, my character of the week for this particular episode was Rutherford, because it was a Rutherford episode. Focus pretty much on Rutherford. I was tempted to give it to a sexy indie archaeologist lesbian lady, but uh, instead I'll give it to Shax, since you gave it to Baby Bear. So, Shax it is. All right, Matt, so we're here to the main event. We're here to the thing that you are excited about. We're here the one I'm excited about, Bob. The one, the one I paid more attention to, yes. The one that you paid <laughs> attention to, yes, yes. We're here for episode six, Here All, Trust Nothing. Matt, what the hell is going on in the A-plot of Here All, Trust Nothing? All right, in the A-plot, Captain Freeman and the Cerritos get tasked at the last minute to negotiate a trade agreement with the Karima of the Gamma Quadrant to help heal the scars of the Dominion War. Matt, so you think I'm going to criticize you for your struggle with alliteration and my typos? Yeah. But what I was actually go- I was going to initially um, criticize you for your pronunciation of the Karima, but then you said, but, 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 then you said Gamma Quadrant in the strangest goddamn way I've ever heard. <laughs> like, it's is all the... Russian your first language or no. something? <laughs> Bob, I, ch- I, I, I actually, I know the answer to what this is, Bob. It's really stupid. It's that I, I work with, you know, younger children all day long and uh-huh. you're constantly having to teach them phonic skills. And that's what it boils down to is you're uh-huh. like breaking shit down into like, it just... It's a very annoying thing, but yeah. Okay, that's... When you're that's, sounding out the most basic of words all day, you see the yeah. most basic of words when you break things down. So it's Okay, all right. That's actually a good explanation. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like an asshole for criticizing uh, you. Unlike, unlike all these other things we look at, I have good explanations for why things happen <laughs> the way they do. God damn it. I got a good all backstory. Right. All right, so let's go... <laughs> The B-plot, Bob. Boimler and Rutherford and Tindy tour DS9, the latter to hook up with Nesk, a Starfleet Orion more comfortable with his culture's pirating ways. And then in the C-plot, Matt was just trying to avoid having to pronounce his name. Sharan, Shanghai's Mariner, into hanging out with her friends, so Mariner hits the Saurian brandy. <laughs> yep. Oh shit, Matt. Did you remember the Karima? I actually did, Bob. Uh, we've mentioned them several times in our coverage of DS9 because they scare the fuck out of me. Uh, I really hate <laughs> I, I hate their face design. I hate their hair. There is like nothing to love about them. And the uh, the cartoon though, or the, the, this this show does not do their look justice. That's not what they <laughs> they don't look like that on in in the live action is like. Yeah, they, they they don't look quite as unnerving as they do on the show. Yeah, there's the a semblance, but it's not and... it's not the same. Yeah. So I will say that the combo of the opening credits for DS9 and Shaq's shouting "tacky fascist cardi eyesore" really made me laugh. That that was pretty funny. Yeah, I almost hate that I ruined this by watching it on the season preview at first contact day. Like, I think it would have been way more awesome had I not seen it beforehand. That's that's probably true. In my memory, I just remember the gag about keep circling to buy time. Right. I don't remember Shaq's shouting that, which that the combination of them like doing this the loving DS9 credits and Shaq's shouting that was to me the the real humor. Right. That that was probably one of the best <laughs> probably one of the best scenes in this season. <laughs> it's it's a really good gag. Just keep circling. So Matt, I do have a one nitpick here. So doesn't Bajor join the Federation at the end of DS9 the show? And so shouldn't the station crew be in Starfleet, not Bajoran militia uniforms? Uh, first off, I want to say uh, nerd. Uh, second. Fair, fair. Second, for spoilers for anyone who decided they wanted to watch DS9 and B5 along with us for their first time. 
because uh, Bob just told you how, how the whole thing ends. Uh, and then yeah. third, there's st- <laughs> there's still Starfleet people all over the place, including Mesk. So maybe everyone just want to see Kira in her red outfit. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. So did you take Mesk to be assigned to the station? I took it as he was just there, like vis- like with another ship. But I don't think that that was just the impression I got. I don't think the I don't think the episode decisively says. I saw. Well, there's also a lot of Starfleet people in Quarks, so I, I assume they That's live true. there. That's true. I hope we I hope we get a in the future DS9 sequel novels now that they've rebooted I hope we get Mask as part of the DS9 crew that would be fun. I, I just hope Bob that you get I, your explanation as to why they're not wearing Starfleet uniforms. I need that explanation, Matt. Um, it's you know definitely not that I have political objections to the Bajoran militia or anything. It's, it's keeping <laughs> you up at night. Indeed, indeed. Uh, I will say that the Karima's uh, slur of Alpha Savages I liked. That was pretty funny. So we get a kind of fun argument uh, with Kira and Shax arguing over who saved the other more often during the Resistance days. Yeah, it went a little long. It was funny the first like two, yeah. Like, when they, but then they went like three, and then they brought it back later on. And I was yeah. like, eh, you could have. They needed. I I agree with you. They needed to let it go and find 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 some other material there. Yeah. 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 And then I, I had to check and make sure that it was actually Armin Shimmerman voicing Quark. His voice, I mean, I mean, it's not a criticism, it's just an observation. His voice has changed a little with age. Yeah, you say this, and then I, I knew it was Armin Shimmerman like, when I first heard it, so I don't know if maybe... I, I did, his voice has changed a little, but it's, I still knew, I knew they had to go with Armin Shimmerman there. Like, they couldn't... Anybody yeah, else would have he, been he's alive, blasphemous. so why would... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was kind of what I was thinking. Is like, he's alive, so why would you not have him do it? Yeah. But there's people on yeah. Facebook that are posting about that, though, saying that they, they think that maybe Kira and uh, Kira and Quirk were not being played by, by their uh, respective actors. So, yeah. like... <laughs> and so, this is something, like... If people are going off on them. <laughs> I want I want Nana Visitor and Armin Shimmerman to get money for this. You know, yeah. I'm glad like you're bringing them back. They definitely need to do it. Like I, I yeah, I love them. They're two of the best cast members on one of my favorite TV shows of all time. Like I, I, I don't mean this to be like hateful or critical, but and this is not unique to them. This is you know you can see this on the original Star Trek the Animated Series too. As much as I love the Star Trek cast. Um, all the Star Trek cast, mostly, they're not, a lot of them aren't good voice actors, man. And no, yeah, it's true. It, it kind of, it, like, it kind of shows in this episode. Like, I think we've seen it in other things. Like, I don't really think, like, Robert Duncan and McNeil was doing amazing work as Paris last season. I don't really think, like, uh, Gates McFadden, you know, in that minor, minor cameo as Crusher was doing much. But I just, I don't know. Like, the voice acting of, Kira and Quark. I, you know, I love those characters. It's great to see them. And eh, the voice acting, it wasn't the best. Voice, I mean, voice acting is like an extremely different yeah, skill. Yeah, very much so. Than, yeah, very much so. Than stage act or, or film acting. The only Star Trek actor I can think of who I think actually does good voice acting, and this is the only thing I would say that is in any way positive about that show, is I think uh, Kate Mulgrew actually kills it as Janeway on Prodigy. Oh yeah, she does. Yeah, but like but I feel I, like I, she's like, done I other voice it, acting work though. Like I don't, she I don't probably she, has. I don't, I don't know what it is, but she probably has. Like I really think you need to have like some experience before you go. Even when, even when it's a character you've been, you know, you've you've been a part of for so long. Like with Kira, 
a Nana, a Nana visitor. Like she's, she's been Kira forever. She is Kira, but like, you know, it, it's just it, when you're focusing solely on the voice, it's a whole different story. And I mean, like I never, I never want like, you know, it once and God forbid may, may it be a long time, a long time from now, but like once Nana visitor and Armin Shimmerman are gone, like I don't want to see people recast as Quark and Kira. Right. Right. I will say too, and tell me if you think this makes sense. I think that the voice of Janeway that Kate Mulgrew does is a much more important part of the character than like the voice of Paris that like Tom Duncan Neal does or that the, or the voice of Kira that Nana Visitor does. Like her, like the way she does her voice, I just think is like a more recognizable and important part of that character than a lot of the other Star Trek characters. I agree. Kind of like with Scotty in that other episode. So I'm looking at uh, her TV credits and she has done some voice work, not a, not a tremendous amount, but do you know what the thing she is? This, is this Janeway? Or... Yeah, this is Janeway. Yeah, okay. and do you know what the do you know what the things you would probably recognize her voice work uh, from are? What are they? Uh, she was uh, the Red Claw on Batman the Animated Series. Oh, I don't know if you remember yeah. yeah, 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 and then. Wow. Yeah, wild, isn't it? Wild. Yes, I did not put that together. Yeah, I, I think I'd known that, but I'd, I'd totally forgotten. And then she also did, I don't remember this character, but she was in a few episodes of Gargoyles, too. Okay, so she's had some experience. Yeah, yeah. Cool. That that was a kind of a, that was kind of a down note, <laughs> but well, um, one thing you mentioned though about about uh, about Armin Shimmerman and Nana Visitor needing uh, you talked about how they you know you're glad they're making money. They also make money off cameo. I don't know if you we've talked about this before. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Sometimes I wonder though, like the people at Lower Decks were just like, let's just make a list of things we need Kira to say and pay for her to do a cameo, <laughs> <laughs> and then we'll put her voices. <laughs> Because I know both no of them one, were on no, there. So like, no one was more surprised to find themselves in the Lower Decks episode than Armin Shimmer and yeah. the Man and Visitor themselves. <laughs> it's like going back to uh, going back to our, our episode with Morbius where we discussed Morbius. They just recorded them off an iPhone. <laughs> All right, and so an- another touchy subject that I'm afraid my, uh, the listeners are going to cancel me over. But look, I. I don't know how to say this, but I'm struggling to believe that any woman at that salon that Mariner and Shran go to, uh, that that salon that featured sweat sweatpants, that soundtrack, uh, snapping and intentional candle making, I just I don't believe that any of the women in that room are straight. And I, I don't I, it's not that I this is not an anti Boimler thing where it's like, oh, I hate women lusting after Boimler. This is just a straight up like I I don't believe any any woman in that room is straight. Yeah, I'll go down with you, Bob. There, there were definitely some lesbians afoot. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> I will say, though, uh, Sharan cheering as Mariner stuns all her friends was uh, pretty hot. That, that was pretty funny. I enjoyed it quite a lot. I know. And the way, and the way that Mariner and Sharan both fell on each other was just so sweet. They just were, you know. Yeah, yeah. And then we have uh, Mask revealed as the Wharf of Orion's. That was really funny. <laughs> I just don't think that's the kind of honor you want to, uh, uh, the kind of honor you want imposed upon you. <laughs> oh no, worse, worse the worst. That's uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, yeah it, it's, the... it's 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 sad. Like I don't I don't think Mask yeah. should be too proud of that, Bob. 
Yeah, there's a lot to admire about Worf, but uh, his you know he's the worst father in the galaxy. He's the worst sexual partner in the galaxy. You remember in the Next Generation where he has like sex with a woman once and then assumes they're gonna get married. <laughs> but they got two dicks, Bob. He, he do he do have two dicks. He do have two dicks. <laughs> All right. Oh man. So uh, speaking of like Boimler's redemption arc, uh, Boimler taking Quark bucks instead of Latinum did really crack me up. Does this is this like the real first confirmation we have that the Federation doesn't really have any need for? No, Latinum no, 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 no. We've had plenty um, before, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, that's what I thought. I, I had read, like, on Facebook, somebody was saying that. And I was like, I don't think that's true. Like, I'm no, pretty no, sure somewhere out there they've said true. something. Okay. That's definitely not true. Um, that's the one it, problem I have with these with Lower Decks and all these the newer shows is that I, 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 as prior to this, you know, when we were growing up watching them, we didn't, have, you know, we didn't have social media, so we didn't have all these people, like, running and saying whatever the fuck they wanted to, including yeah, these, po- yeah. these podcasts. So, like, yeah. <laughs> these, these, these goddamn podcasters. Yeah, so when I go on, when I go on Facebook and people are saying this shit, I'm like, wait a minute, and it makes me question it. But then I'm just like, no, they're just they're just fucking stupid. Yeah, no, the two the two big examples would be the the season one finale of Next Generation, the Neutral Zone. Yeah, yeah, has yeah. a whole thing of like you know they wake up this financial tycoon from the 20th century and Picard like having to explain to him that like they don't they don't do money anymore. And then um, you also have several mentions of it in DS9. I, I'm blanking on um, I'm blanking on this particular episode, but in one particular episode, like Jake and Nog have a discussion about how the Federation doesn't operate with currency, and it it does seem pretty clear that like there probably are something like replicator credits or something, right? Where like you probably can't go over a certain amount of like energy usage. Right. And it also seems pretty clear that like Starfleet personnel can access like different forms of money when they go in places where money is still used. And well, that's kind of what happened with Picard yeah. when he, uh, yeah. when they go back in time, you know, they, yeah. and now that I think about it, that they even mentioned it there. They were, uh, you know, that they use, uh, currency back in the past so fuck the dude on facebook and now he the dude on facebook is right that there are a few mentions in the original series of like salary or things like that yeah but there's also like no replicator in the 23rd century right and right. so the general the general theory is that sometime between the original series and the next gen they get to basically a fully currencyless internal economy in the Federation. And I think maybe even by the time of Star Trek four, because I think in Star Trek four, there might be some conversations about like them not having money. All right, Bob. So for final thought here, I really hope they are saving Cisco for something amazing because this would have been the perfect opportunity to bring him back. And just about everyone would have been satisfied with that. Okay. I've got a, I got a couple questions here. Okay. So, I know you've been saying that they've been teasing like Cisco coming back in Lower Decks this whole season. I I, I might have just lost the plot on this, so set me straight. But like, no, 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 no. Right. I'm talking not not just Lower Decks, Bob. Just across the entire Trek continuum. Oh yeah, I guess because they did they did they did have the Bell Riot thing in Picard season two. Yeah, I'm not just talking about Lower Decks. I'm talking like entire like all everything that's come out in the last couple of years. We want Cisco back. We got Janeway back. We got Picard. You know, 
Strange New Worlds is exploring the world that was very close to the original series. Discovery's way off in the future. Like, you need Cisco to come back somehow. This would have been a really cool way to do it that wouldn't have, like, overshadowed some of the newer stuff they're coming out with. Well, I, I agree with you that we really want Cisco back. I agree with you that that's the most natural thing in the world. Like, priority number one is Picard. Priority number two is Janeway. Priority number three is Cisco. I'm not saying that's my priority, but just, like, from the from the franchise's priorities, right? Right. I, I, I agree with that. I want to point out to you, you did not say anything about William Shatner coming back. <laughs> no, that's not a priority. That's not a priority. And that's one thing I never hear anybody say. We need we need we need William Shatner to come back as Kirk. <laughs> Somebody had this tweet a while ago, and they're like, "It's really funny to think about how Leonard Nimoy and Mister Spock would be best friends, but uh, that Captain Kirk would kick William Shatner's ass." Yeah. <laughs> True. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. Sometimes, sometimes you live too long. Or, you know, no, no offense, William Shatner. I don't want you to die, but like, come, look, man. You got, you got to change with the times. Some, like, not everything that's new is good, but you got to change with the times, man. Yeah. Um. Okay. Look. So, you want Cisco to come back, but unlike Janeway or Picard, like Cisco coming back because of the way the show left him is a big fucking deal, you yeah. know. And I don't know. I don't know that that would fit. Like, I think it would have fit in Picard season two, but they didn't do it. Yeah. And I don't know that that would fit in Picard season three, especially since basically it seems like Picard season three is just going to be next generation reunion. And I don't know if you want to work like the return of the emissary into that. That seems like too much. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's a whole lot of stuff. Like, I, I don't know what they're pl- I'm just hoping they have a, gr- I hope they have a grand plan. I hope so too. I hope so too. And I think for the same reason, you don't necessarily want to bring back like Cisco for a gag show. I mean, God, you know, I love Lower Decks, <laughs> but you don't, and especially not for this episode where like kind of the point of this episode is like an ordinary day on DS9. Right. Where like, if you, but if you bring Cisco back, like it's got to be about like him and Kira seeing each other again, right? Like it's. Oh, you want it's to be not, like emotional, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I can see what you're saying. Yeah, I, I, you just didn't want him to like show up as like a prophet, in like the background somewhere. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so I, I almost wonder. I don't know if they're still gonna go ahead with that Seven of Nine spinoff. I mean, I would, I would be down with it if they do. I like Seven, but I almost wonder if like that's the show where it would make sense to do it. Because yeah. I, I get the sense that like Avery Brooks probably doesn't want to a new show, right? Like, I don't right. think he wants to be back that much, but I think you do want it to be in a context where it can be a, a relatively big deal. Yeah. And so, I don't know, maybe I'm totally wrong and maybe they're going to do it in Picard season three or in the finale, of, like they did kind of with Riker and Troy in the season one finale of Lower Decks. So maybe I'm totally wrong, but I get the feeling that it might be like a seven show if they do a seven show. So while I usually completely like disagree with, like we were talking about with the Facebook people, I will say that somebody did make a pretty astute observation concerning the Defiant not making an appearance in this episode. Uh, They may be using Defiant in Picard Season 3. Oh, that's interesting. That's interesting. That could be fun. Well, it also raises the question... I guess let me look this up right right quick. Like, what are the years again? Because I think Picard Season 3 is way, way, way after when this episode is set. I will say the Babylon 5 wiki is better than Memory Alpha 
in the sense that it gives the gives the in year date on the episodes. So season three of Picard is going to take place in twenty four oh one. Yeah, is what I'm saying. Twenty four oh one. Okay, so the show starts in twenty three eighty. Oh wow! So we're talking a twenty year difference. Yeah, yeah, because it's this is only this is only a few years. This is like the year after Nemesis it starts, I think, right? Yeah, so we've got there's a twenty year gap between there. Okay, well that makes sense then. Yeah, so it wouldn't necessarily apply, and it's only like Lower Decks is only like what maybe like five years after the end of DS Nine, something like that. Yeah, you're you're much better at the whole like uh, keeping up with the timeline thing. Like I know where the I know where everything falls, but I can't tell you how many like years are between anything. Yeah, well, it was ne- I mean, it was never an issue until like we the fact that we have like prodigy. I mean, I'm not criticizing, but just the fact that we have like prodigy, lower decks, and Picard all airing at like I think slightly different points in the in the late 24th, early 25th century is fucking wild. Pretty vast timeline. The discovery just fucks it all up because it like shoots way way into the future. Yeah, although I mean, I I. I have a lot of criticisms of the discovery, but I, I don't think the moving moving it to the far future nah. has proved to be a problem yet. Well, it, it would allow them to be more like be able to take more chances as opposed to yeah, you know, exactly. just trying to keep with the continuity. Exactly. Um, so I have a kind of like a one final thought to throw it throw at you. So like, look, I don't want to hate this episode, and I especially as we were talking through it, like there's a lot I like. I really like the Sharan Mariner stuff. You know, I, I have DS9 nostalgia as strong as anyone, so I was very happy to be back on DS9. But, like, I did think that there was a way you could say that this episode is a little bit of a disappointment, right? Like, we, we already talked about the voice acting of the guest stars not being amazing. And then there's also just, like, the way it was written, where it's, like, it's basically the episode is just Kira telling us how awesome Shax is, and Quark telling us how awesome Boimler is. And I don't know. Like, I feel like the like we already know Shax and Boimler are fun. Like, we don't need a whole episode and the third season of this show where guest stars from an, another beloved series in the franchise tell us how great our regulars are. That was something I, I, I kind of didn't love about this episode. I, I didn't I didn't think the writing was great in that sense. Uh, yeah, I, I can see I can see where you would think that. Like I don't I feel like they could have done more with this. If they wanted to, I think they could have retread like a plot line from DS9. That'd have been fun. I mean, they sort of did that with the carry mob, but I, I see what kind of. But yeah, I mean, more a, a little more it. like yeah. I would have liked to see more characters that were specific to. That was that was the next question I was going to ask. So we only got Quark, Morn, and Kira. Yeah, yeah. I would like to see. The you know, they could have they could have easily have thrown in O'Brien in there somehow, or even like uh, you know Bashir. Well, we know we know for a fact O'Brien goes back to Earth, right? At the end, and but Bashir or Ezri could have been options. See, I kept waiting for Ezri. I kept waiting for Ezri to show up, and she didn't. Yeah, was there any like Jake um, and Rom and Nog all wouldn't have reason to be there? Was there anybody else who should have been there? I would like to see seen Garrick. Was Garrick no? No, because Garrick goes back to Cardassia. That's right. He goes back to Cardassia, yeah. even though they mentioned there was a tailor. Oh, that's right. They did. I, I totally missed that. So I thought maybe they would have just, I don't know, maybe something happened between them. I, I can't think of anybody else. Worf becomes Cleon ambassador. Odo goes back to the Great Link. O'Brien goes back to Earth. Yeah. Garrett goes back to Cardassia. I guess the only people left on the station then are Quark, Kira, 
uh, Bashir and, and Ezri. Yeah, and that's why Cisco just needs to like come out of the wormhole, do something cool. <laughs> All right. Well, Bob, when it comes to character of the week, though, I'm going to give it to Morn. <laughs> glad to see him in the background. He did the best uh, voice acting of the returning three characters. He, he really did. It was awesome. It's fantastic. I will say, like, I, I did kind of enjoy the Tindy stuff in this. Like, it was a kind of nice payoff of, you know, it's a, it's a little heavy-handed, but I, I enjoyed, like, her yeah. being good a Ryan Pyre. That was funny. I know this is going to be a real tight contest, Matt, and I know it's really hard for you to choose, but between these two Lower Decks episodes, which is your favorite? Well, of course, Bob, it's Here All Trust Nothing. It's the DS9 episode. I mean, duh. (laughs) I... I heard, I heard you say that, Matt, but I don't trust it. The Rutherford episode is what it was. I mean, it, it, it was a Rutherford-centric episode. It wasn't that interesting. And then the, the DS9 nostalgia won over in the end. All right, yeah. I, of course I agree with you. Of course I agree with you. All right. Well, despite my reservations, uh, it, it was really fun to see you know elements of my favorite show again. So this has been uh, our Uncanny Treks coverage of Star Trek Lower Decks. Uh, I'll be uh, busy next weekend, so... Expect us in two weeks with another double header of uh, Lower Decks. Uh, we hope to see you there. I am Bob in Cascadia. That's Matt in the Southland. Have a great night, everybody. Thanks for listening.